Hello and welcome to episode 246 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the band from Oakland, California, the incredible garage punk band Grumster. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Donny, Noel and Lalo from the band and all three of them are superb and that interview's coming up in just a couple of minutes time and I can tell you now they're one of my favourite most listened to bands last year and honestly I just can't wait to share it with you. But before we get there let's touch base and talk about my last episode. I was joined by the actor Patrick Bergen. What an amazing guy, what an amazing chat, so many deep and amazing stories and the response as always was just incredible so thank you for everyone that tuned in. The numbers were just as high and I couldn't be more grateful for everyone that's taken the time to listen. But today it's all about the band Grumster. Maybe you're discovering this band for the first time via this podcast or you're already a fan but I can't recommend them enough. And their brand new album has just come out at the end of last year. It's absolutely awesome and I urge you all to go and check it out. The album's called Fever Dream and is out now. And honestly, please let me know once you've listened to it and what you think. But I think the best thing to do right now is to get to the interview. So here's me and Grumster talking all things music. So Grumster, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. What I want to do today for anyone that's discovering your band for the first ever time is give them an idea about basically all of you growing up and what shaped the music that you listen to today. So, Donnie, tell me when you were growing up, what was one of those first records that you remember listening to? Maybe you used your pocket money or you bought that you fell in love with that made you probably want to pick up a guitar and start singing? Um. Well, so the record that got me into liking like rock music as a whole was the queen's greatest hits cd amazing um, that my are yeah and so that kind of got me hooked but it wasn't until i discovered green day that i was like i need a guitar immediately and i need to learn how to play every single song so i would say i, I probably have two i was the same with dookie i remember picking up that album on cd and literally when i heard when i come around and uh basket case and she i was just like oh my god like all i ever want to do now is be like billy joe armstrong and just rock out and play guitar exactly <laughs> and what about you noel um well uh i grew up in a family of musicians so there was always like a lot of classic rock and stuff around and um i played that from a young age with my my dad um but the first album that really introduced me to like punk punk and pop punk was probably uh newfound glory's self-title record absolute um, classic yeah yeah it's also around the time i like started skating and stuff so it, it kind of all happened all at once with that record and um you know dove into all the other subgenres and stuff like that from there and lele what about yourself yeah, growing up, um, my mom would play a lot of like blues around the house. So a lot of like Freddie King and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, as I got into like middle school, I had like a really big Metallica phase, um, you know, because they were local and like, you know, almost every day going to like El Cerro Plaza, I would see like the little house they used to live in. And my mom would always tell me that story. So like I got pretty heavy into them. And then only really, I mean, kind of the same as Donnie, like, hearing dookie all the way through was when i was like oh i need to learn how to play all these songs mm-hmm. um and that was the motivator to pick up a guitar that i had that i never learned how to play and just start learning like 
front to back that album. And one thing I find fascinating is when you go to one of your first gigs, because you can have all these amazing albums on tape or CD, but it's only when you really go and see that first show that you really appreciate how powerful music can be. Can you all remember your first ever experience or who it was you first saw live that was like, oh my God, like my ribs are shaking, my hairs on my neck are sticking up. Like, this is what I want to do. It's funny. Mine was Green Day. That was my very first show. I'm so jealous. Wow. I like got into them and then it was like a Friday night. I, I learned that they were playing my state on Monday. So I bought tickets. I was so hyped and uh, we got there and I just remember like getting down to our seat, seeing the stage and I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And there were like three bands playing before them, but I stayed in my seat the entire time, could not lose the seat. And yeah, just like after seeing that and, you know, the energy of their live show, I was like, oh my God, I absolutely need to do that. I love it. I love how much Green Day has already been mentioned on this interview. (laughs) We're like three or four minutes in and it's become Green Day cast, but it's... uh. (laughs) It's hard to ignore a band that have been going so long and so influential. So was it a different band for you, Noel? It was. It was actually um, my first concert ever was Vans Warped Tour in oh. I think oh 2000. My. And I went the next year also in 2004. So those, they kind of meld together for me. Like I, I don't, I'm fuzzy on what, which bands I saw which year, but it was definitely like Golden Era. I saw MCR, I Warped Tour, Paramore, Fall Out Boy, like basically any any of those big bands from that warp tour era um and you know crowd surf for the first time like saw you know a bunch of people that were in the same same type of music as me as me for the first time so it was definitely um those two warp tours kind of uh really really solidified like oh this is what i like and what i'm into and what i want to uh be a part of moving forward for the rest of my life that's some incredible bands like My Chemical Romance and Paramore. The fact they're still going now and they're getting stronger. I recently saw My Chemical Romance after their reunion show and uh, the energy they've got is like they've never been away. So uh, that's some incredible foundations to build on. Wow, yeah, that's, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, for me, um, uh, it'll be kind of similar to Donnie. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the first concert I went to, I think, was Jamiroquai. It was like a free show in the city. Um, and then I saw Sync when I was like oh seven God. or something like that, which was cool. But it, th- those didn't really leave like a mark on me. Um, it was really when I saw Green Day uh, in Berkeley. And, um, you know, I was going to like community college at the time. Didn't really know exactly what I wanted to. I had an idea, but, I, you know, I wasn't sure. Um, and I saw that show. And originally I was sitting up like, it, it's all a general mission, but there's like seats. And I was sitting up in the seats. And I told my dad and I was like, oh, I'm going to go like get a closer look and I'll be right back. But I ended up staying down in the pit for the whole entire show. And, um, it was after that I just like dropped out of school and started learning how to play guitar because I was like, this is way cooler than yeah. what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, and yeah. And were you guys all in bands growing up at school and stuff, separate bands, like doing the whole Battle of the Bands thing and doing like covers and stuff? Or ha- has it come later on in life for you? Or how, how was it that you all started? So, Donnie, did, have you been in bands previ- previously? Um, so I've been like playing music since I was really young, maybe like, five or six is when I like picked up playing the trumpet and so I did like you know wind instruments like trumpet and saxophone and like percussion ensemble and kind of like you know high school middle school elementary school band things so I've been playing music kind of forever but it wasn't really until I met Lolo and Noel that I was able to actually like form a band and like take songs that I had written and you know turn them into something more than just like 
a bedroom and an acoustic guitar you know massively um and what about for the rest of you so uh noel was it uh, a college band or a school band or anything like that or was it later on yeah it was a, a school band um i started off same thing like in the percussion pit playing uh you know classical pieces and stuff like that and then for some reason only the eighth graders were able to join jazz band so finally when i got into eighth grade i joined a jazz band and started playing on a drum set um and then from there on then on once i got the basics down my dad was like all right you can play with me and my your uncles whatever and i played in some cover bands for like church uh summer festivals and stuff with him um, but I didn't really start playing with my peers until like uh, late in high school and then early community college. I've had a few bands um, before Grumster and then uh, yeah, I met these two fools and <laughs> the rest is history. And, and was it the same for you, Lelo, or was it completely different? Uh, pretty late. I, I didn't play any music. I like got a drum pad in fifth grade and then just like <laughs> touched it one day and I was like, I don't like this. And then uh, <laughs> it like, yeah, I never I was way more into like video games and just kind of watching TV and just, I don't know, not really doing anything. And um, then around eighth grade, my mom bought me a guitar and I couldn't even play a chord. I just like kind of poked at strings and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I lost interest pretty fast because I wasn't good at it. <laughs> um, and only really until I was like 21, I was like, after that concert, I was like, oh, I'm definitely just going to sit down and just like force myself to learn how to play. Um and then I just played every single day for hours and hours and hours and, and then uh, started the band. Yeah, I didn't I never played with like anyone else uh, before Grumps or anything like that. See, that's nice. That's faithful. That's real love. You haven't been there with other people before and then come together like the others. <laughs> for each other's first. Exactly. I never wrote yeah, I never wrote a song with anybody else. Incredible. <laughs> that's what I like. The faithfulness of that is great. But uh I think Noel did start to touch base on that. So how was it that you three came together? Can you tell me about the first time you maybe all met? Was it in a bar to discuss ideas or were you friends of other people? Or how, how did you all come into each other's worlds? Donnie, do you want to go first? Um yeah, so <clears throat> essentially I got hired at a guitar center where Lalo was working and we like became friends and we were we were talking about, you know, like bands that we both liked and we had like a lot in common there. So we were like, Hey, we should like show each other some demos that we had written. Um, and we sat down to, you know, hash some things out, making little demos on garage band. And a few of the songs that we had had were like, we had written essentially the same songs just separate from each other. And then we came together. And once we realized that we were like, Oh my God, this is so weird, but we have to do it. And then, um, Lalo and Noel had worked together at the same guitar center. I missed Noel by like two weeks when I got hired. And Lalo was like, oh, I know this guy. Like we had talked about, you know, jamming together and like maybe starting a band, but I'll see if he's available. And then he was. And now we're here. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And and Noel, uh, when you first went in that room and started playing, did you just feel that it was just happening straight away? It wasn't anything like any teething problems? Did it just feel like the three of you just had that chemistry right from the off? Um, I would like to think so. <laughs> These two would disagree. Maybe Lalo can give you his side of the story when it's his turn. Um, <laughs> Is it completely I, different to yours? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was also, I mean, at the time I was active with my uh, previous band, Triple Zally, and it's um, not too far off, but definitely a, a different drumming style from that. So, you know, maybe I was 
it took a second to switch gears, you know, into uh, riding with these two and playing with these two. So, um, you know, I personally thought it was fine and I knew that we were going to um, figure it out. But uh, yeah, maybe uh, <laughs> you can get more insight from Lalo on what they were thinking after our first little uh, jam session. <laughs> Come on then, spill the beans, Lalo. How was it for you? Yeah, uh, I mean, <clears throat> it didn't take long. It literally was maybe like 10 minutes of like, oh, is this going to work? You know, yeah. like. I remember, uh, you know, Noel kind of came in just doing like the pop punk beat, like the boop, 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 boop. And I was just like, I was like, ah, I don't really want it to sound like this. I was like, I don't know if this is right. Um, and I like, you know, at the time was a more shy person and didn't really want to like tell someone to like change what they're doing because I didn't like it. You know, I didn't know how to like approach it, but I knew that I really liked the way he played drums. So it was worth like saying something to mm-hmm. see if we could actually make it work right instead of just like being like, sorry, you know, we'll try someone else. Um and I remember I kind of like made eye contact with Donnie and we were both kind of like, I noticed we were still on the same page. So I was like, oh, hey, like, what if you played it just like a little more kind of melodic and like kind of Green Day-ish, you know? Um, and then we retried that same exact song and then it was like perfect. And I was like, I remember feeling like a huge, like, uh, not a relief, but like a like moment of like excitement and like, oh, this is like exactly what I was like wanting, you know? Um, and even then some, like a lot of like, it was just, I think we were playing, I think it was like Rich Kids. I think it was Rich Kids. Yeah, yeah we were playing Rich yeah. Kids. And then in the like chorus, like Noel threw in this like heavy Tom part. And I was like, whoa, that's really cool. I didn't even like imagine that sound for that song, but it like worked really well. Um, it was maybe an adjustment period of 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise it was, it was very fast um, getting used to each other, like the way we play and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then was it a case of you guys just getting out there as quickly as you could to get seen, to get some shows, maybe some support slots to try and win people over that have gone for the bigger bands? Is that how it kind of came about, like most bands, to build up that profile for yourself? Um, I would say so. We just like, we recorded our first EP with a friend just to have something out. Like, as Noel has said so many times, like he didn't even know all the songs all the way. It was like so fast, but we were like so ready as you said, to just get out there. Um, so for a while, we were just like saying yes to every single show that was offered to us. There was like a month when we first started, I think we were playing like three or four shows, like every, yeah. Some, yeah. something like that, you know? So like anything we could get, we would take, you know, and just doing that and doing that and doing that, I think has been really helpful. And is it really hard to kind of get your head around the fact that it's gone so quick and, you know, it's, the announcements from people like uh, Lagwagon are now asking you to go on tour to celebrate their 30 years and stuff. Is it mind blown? Is it like, how did we get from there to this? Is it, I know when you're in the band, it's harder to kind of step back and analyze what's happened, but Donnie, it must be incredible to see the jump that it's gone from. Yeah, it's really crazy. And it, it it's really crazy when it hits kind of just like thinking and we're like, oh, we're out here on tour, but it's like, we're sustaining ourselves. We're able to like be out here and do this. And, you know, minus the pandemic, which I feel like those years don't really count because we couldn't do anything. Like we're only three years old, Yeah, you know? And, And so it's just crazy to think about, you know, like the first shows we ever played. And then three years later, we're out here essentially just like touring and, you know, making albums and playing with bands that we all, you know, like grew up on and respect and, it's definitely crazy. It hits once in a while, but when it does, you're like, oh my God, what is going on? 
And Noel, during this whole pandemic and everybody having that time out, even though the band's only three years, obviously it was affected for you guys because for over 18 months, you couldn't get out there and play shows and do what you want to do. And the reason you're in Grumpster is to get out there and play music live. So did you use that time to basically come together and focus on recording Fever Dream? Is that how you use the time? Is that how it went? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You know, there was... uh nothing else for us to do um i i wasn't working i don't know if lala was working my work shut down for a while yeah i don't like i think donnie was the only one who was working and um he's a barista so the shifts were like morning shifts anyway so we all pretty much had free schedules so we figured we'll just write another record you know we we practiced a lot we were writing a lot and pretty much all of fever dream i would say maybe 90 percent was pretty much wrote during quarantine i think honestly maybe 100 yeah yeah so that's you you you, uh you you got it right that's exactly it we just hunkered down and wrote the record and lelo uh with that a lot of bands i think use the pandemic to either reevaluate their priorities so i've seen some bands that have just used that time to just not do anything because they've been doing the band so much so full-on that it was a nice time out but it sounds like the opposite for you and it worked out so was this a time for you to really appreciate just how much you've got this incredible band you've got these two other band members that are so close to you and you'd never ever now take a gig for granted you just absolutely focus on purely doing what you love the most yeah exactly that's and it was also you know i was very grateful but also very sad you know because it was (laughs) like that's all we wanted to do is like go play a show you know and when you can't and you just like also the indefinite timeline of when are we going to be able to play again people say like two years three years four years people you see articles online oh there's never going to be live music again and it's just like that kind of stuff you know um but it was really great having these two and just like because we had just released underworld on november 2019 and uh you know we we're getting ready for like tours and all this kind of stuff and then boom two months later everything's locked down um so we instead of wanting to take a break we were already geared up to keep moving and working um a ton in 2022 so we were just like well you know what else are we going to do other than than write a record um and i was just thankful that everyone was on the same page and you know it's never a question like hey do we want to do this or not it was just like let's just do it like what else are you going to do you know um yeah so it was great having these two and it almost feels like it didn't even happen because we just yeah kept working you know it, it was uh there was no break i think the lockdowns happened and like we had practice two days later you know <laughs> it was like <laughs> It wasn't even a thought to stop. So it was as much as it was painful and obviously a lot of people were affected. I think it probably made the band for you and made the music come together and give you that time that you all needed to do this album the best you could. And the results are there. Uh, I've been listening to Fever Dream all week on the build up to this. And I'm not just saying it. It's one of my contenders for the album of the year. I think the energy behind it, the production, the sound, the rawness, but also the great produce sound as well you've got a bit of everything really comes together and you all as a band uh must be absolutely thrilled and so proud of the work you've put in and the payoff because donnie i'm sure it must have been a lot of sleepless nights working out these bass lines the the hooks the vocals it must be so good to see the results and the response it's had so far yeah it's really nice and it's also nice because like we made the record in may of 2021 and so we have known how it sounds for a well over a year 
you know? And so we like had this album and we know how it sounds and we know what it is and just like sitting on it for a year of being like, nobody knows who like Fever Dream era Grumster is. Everybody just still knew us as Underwhelmed Grumster. So now it's, it's so awesome to have it out there and like to know that people are still finding it and listening to it and it exists. And, and Noel, how does it feel now to actually finally get to play these songs? Because there was a moment when, and I'm only someone that goes to gigs, I didn't know if we'd ever see a gig again. I had tickets for Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and all these bands, and they kept getting delayed by a year, then another year, and then the festivals were getting put off. And I was thinking to myself, are we actually ever going to get to normality where we can see a band play genuinely live again? And there must have been that feeling for you when finally you could go off and play shows. It must have felt like it was never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, it just, the uh, lockdowns just kept getting longer and longer and pushed out further and further. And, you know, you try your best, hopeful, right? But um, when all you're getting is more bad news, you don't really know. Um, But then when we finally were able to play our show, I think our first show back was uh, the first show of the Anti-Flag Tour, yeah. Um, And it's nice, like, it, it was very nice on in two ways one obviously because it had been more than a year since we'd played a show but we were also able to play some of our newer material so there was that added little um excitement to it you know it 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 was like returning to something familiar but it was also new because we we were you know playing some of those fever dream songs um you know before it was even out yet so so it was uh it was fresh but familiar at the same time and it was just uh really fun and it has been ever since you know and lalo for you was there a moment when you kind of went out there and did you ever feel like nervous to play again because you can get rusty can't you from time off even though you're in a rehearsal room to get that kind of passion on stage and momentum isn't easy it's something that comes through experience so to, for it all to be put on hold, did it feel quite challenging to rip that plaster off and go back on stage and really hope that you still got it as you remembered? Yeah, yeah, I thought it would, um, you know, because I, I grew up with a lot of like stage fright. I would skip class if I had a presentation. I couldn't stand in front of 10 people and talk, you know, so getting on stage for the first time with Grumster, like, you know, when we first started was, you know, a challenge at times. But, you know, every time you play a slightly bigger room, you know, you're more comfortable, you're, you know, it feels better and better. And then I remember, uh, you know, the lockdown started and then it went so long that we had played in front of everybody. I was like, Ooh, do I have to like restart from, you know, day one of getting used to crowds again? Um, <clears throat> but you know, once we got there, I think it was in Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. Yeah. yeah. I got out there, you know, I saw the crowd, I saw the stage, um, you know, you got, you felt that energy again of a live show and, um, I think instead of nervousness, it was just excitement. I was just excited to like be up there again. Now, yeah, I definitely made some mistakes here and there just because like you're doing it again and it's like it took a slight adjustment, uh, but it was definitely more excitement than uh, nervousness. And it, it came back, you know, right away. It felt like, you know, we had never stopped playing uh, shows. And Donnie, with the album now out there for the world to listen to, and it must have felt at one point like, are we ever going to get to play again? And are people going to get to hear these songs live? how does it kind of change your mindset each night you go on stage? Do you feel like you've got that extra pressure because maybe you're in a support slot and people aren't there to come and see your band? So do you have this 
kind of mission that maybe one person is at the front who had come for the main act will then hopefully leave with a t-shirt or an album of yours or will go home that night and tell their friends about Grumps. Do you try and win the crowds over when you're a support slot? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I think like we definitely try to like play and deliver the same performance every night, no matter what. So like whether we're opening a show or we're, you know, direct support or we're headlining or we're first of 10, you know, we try to like be very like consistent in performance in you know, how we engage with the crowd and like the show that we put on in hopes that, you know, if somebody came and saw us, they're going to be like, oh my God, that was crazy. You know, I do want something. I do want to, you know, show people and listen to this band. And I, that definitely helps like with bringing people back as we do more and more, you know, support tours, which eventually turn into headline tours and, you know, things like that. So it is definitely uh, a mission of ours to deliver every time. And Noel, obviously signing to, is it Pure Noise Records? Is that right? Yep. Yeah. How does that feel? Does it, you know, to be amongst some incredible bands out there, to have this support from a label that maybe I'm wrong, but they don't interfere and they let you do what you want to do and be the band that you are. It must be, feel like a really good time, especially with the album out and the buzz at the moment. It must feel like all that hard work and all that time during lockdown has paid off. Yeah, for sure. It's been awesome working with Pure Noise. Um, even to get the offer from them was amazing. You know, I personally had been into everything they've put out since I think they started in 2011-ish, maybe. Um, and I've been a big fan of all of their stuff um, since then. So to be able to get to work with them and then learn that they are, like, super awesome has been great. Um, they're very supportive of us and, like, what we want. And, and uh, you know, they want us to do things the way we want to. And they just kind of guide us along the way and give us support where we need it um they they really just give us everything we need to you know uh play in front of the people that we want to and get our music you know into the ears of the people that uh are gonna like it you know so it's been a very 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 um cool experience working with pure noise um yeah and we just can't can't wait to keep keep hitting it with them and Lalo, for you, what's next with this band? Uh, I know, obviously, I mentioned and touched base on today's interview that you've got these support slots with Lagwagon coming up, which is incredible. Um, obviously, you want to get out there and do some more headline shows. But what what's important to you now? Is it just basically getting out there as much as you can, doing as many shows as you can and getting people out there to spend their time or hopefully their money on Fever Dream and just try and keep building the brand? Is that what's for you now? Yeah, definitely. I think just, you know, play as many tours as possible and play places where we've never played before is, I think, the key right now. Um, and then <clears throat> revisit those markets uh, as soon as possible and just kind of try to tour Fever Dream as much as we can because um, we didn't really get an opportunity to tour the last album. Um, so I definitely want to do it the right way. And then I think probably like in periods where we have a little bit of time off, you know, start writing a little bit. Um, I know me and Donnie already have some ideas for songs and have kind of started a tiny, tiny bit on some new stuff um, while still trying to just like remain focused on this album and, you know, tour it as much as possible um, with just a little bit of writing in between. And as much as we celebrate today, how great the band's doing, the album's doing well. Um, it's amazing you signed this deal. 
has there been anything that's really challenging uh, as a band? You seem like you're all on the same page. You're all incredible friends, very close. It must feel like a very tight unit and family. But are there ever times when there's a bad show or just something doesn't go right where it's just really tough and maybe you have to take a step back and just come back stronger? Yeah, I mean, there's always, um, whenever you're in a close relationship with people, there will always be harder times than others, you know, but I think um, because we have such a strong foundation, we're always able to kind of, um, you know, communicate and push through and, and, and you know, figure out the best solution or, or, you know, how to keep going forward, you know, and I think you said it best, you know, we're all on the same page. So when st- something like that does happen, it's also like a good reminder of like, okay, it's kind of mucked up right now, but we all have the same end goal. So let's figure it out. Uh, do whatever we need to do to get back to where we want to be and, and keep pushing forward, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really the key for me is that we're all on the same page and have the same goal. So I, I personally feel like anything that you could throw at us, we'll figure out to make it work because I don't think any of us want to do anything else for the rest of our lives, you know? It's amazing. And Noel, do you believe that like there's still a huge kind of milestones that you want to achieve? So getting this album out there, getting a huge record deal, getting some support slots. Is there certain bands you'd love to be playing with? Is there certain festivals? We've talked today about early festivals that, you know, we all went to. Do you want to get and see yourself go further up the bill? Is those are the kind of realistic uh, goals that you set yourself as a band? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hitting uh, the bigger festivals is definitely on our list. Getting on better tours and, you know, traveling more internationally. Uh, we definitely want to hit Europe, um, Japan. You know, we just I, I think our mindset hasn't really changed since we started. You know, uh, earlier Donnie said that we would take every show that we're offered and I think for the most part, that's pretty much our mindset, just with a little bit more um, uh, discretion, you know, yeah, and strategy. Uh, but at the end of the day, all we want to do is play new places, play for new people, and just keep growing, you know, get get uh, get in front of a crowd and show them what we do, what we're about. Donny, my final question for everyone that comes on the podcast, I've done over 200 episodes now and I've had bands on before like Incubus and Everclear and all these different people like Alice in Chains and stuff. And I asked the same finishing question to anybody. Now, normally I do interviews with one-on-one, but there's three of you today. It might be a, a case that you might have to play rock, paper, scissors or whatever we do to choose. But what I ask everyone that comes on is to choose the outro piece of music. So every single episode of the podcast every guest gets to choose the song that's played at the end of our interview so when it's all wrapped up edited the interview's all done the final piece of music that's played is chosen by the guests now there's three of you sat there right now so it might end up being a scrap a big fight until the winner gets to choose but is there a song that means a hell of a lot to you and it won't be from your own band it can be somebody else that you think would be a perfect outro song after we've had this talk today I personally have an idea of something yeah. like lyrically, at least. Oh, this is the fight that breaks up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I break the band up today and I'm known for now fucking it all up. So sorry. But um, what we can do is you could all put a selection and I can choose or who knows, you might all just agree on one. But let's hear one suggestion from you each and then we can see what happens. Uh, my thought is looking good, Paramore. Oh, I love that. That is a hell of a song. 
I was, I was thinking Back to Hell is a good one. That is a good one. But, but that Paramore song is about like, oh my God, we're in a band oh, and we actually get yeah, to do this yeah, now. Yeah. I never thought it would happen. That's true, that's true. Just like what's happening. I like that. Yeah, that's a cool song. That's probably my favorite Paramore okay. song. I win. Yeah. <laughs> are, we, are we going with this then? I think yes. so. That was a lot easier than I expected. I wanted to hear loads of fighting and arguing and everything else but Paramore I mean one of my genuine favorite bands I saw them live many times I love the fact that no one knows what they're doing right now and they're going to come back probably bigger better and no one knows what genre of music they're going to be doing this time around and it's exciting so I think to finish on Paramore is a great one today I was looking up right looking up looking you said looking good oh yeah (laughs) looking up sorry looking good (laughs) that's a bit of promotion at the end looking good and looking up are both out now I would recommend listening to both use that Paramore song I kind of copied the title for our song Looking Good. I was like, oh, that's a good Paramore song. I kind of like that lyric. <laughs> Put it in our song. <laughs> there you go. I'll take that bit out in case they sue you for plagiarism and then we have a huge court case, but it's all good. I want to thank all three of you for coming on the podcast today. It's genuinely a pleasure. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And as I said at the start, I, I really mean this because I choose the guests that come on the podcast and fever dream is phenomenal and i really can't wait for more people to discover it and i really hope that you get to come over to the uk and play some shows because i'd love to hear these songs live yes definitely thank yeah. you thank so you. much thank you. i loved this it's been great so there it is there's my interview with me and the three members of the amazing band grumster it's so good to talk to them i really hope they get to come over to the uk sometime soon or across Europe, and I'll be the first to go and see them. I absolutely adore their album and urge you all to go and check it out. If you've enjoyed today's episode, all that I ask you to do is to share this episode. If you go on markandme.com, there's a Facebook link, a Twitter link, and an Instagram link. If you go on there and hit that retweet button or share button, it really goes a long way and can introduce people to Mark and me that aren't aware of us. And honestly, it means a hell of a lot and can go so, so far. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please hit that share button. As always, I do have a Patreon page and I'm going to use this time to promote it because it's what helps keeps the podcast going and funds and allows me to go out there and record more interviews for you guys at home. The only way this podcast can survive is by people helping me and the link is on markandme.com. And if you're new to Patreon, it's basically a way of saying each and every month, here's a couple of pounds to say thanks for the interviews. And starting this month, there's going to be exclusive interviews just for you guys that support me on Patreon. So it's another bonus to join up. Not only that, you get a welcome pack which includes stickers and a badge and some amazing prizes thanks to my friends at Richer Sounds. Things are getting really, really crazy. It might only be the start of the year, but I want to try and top last year. I want more interviews, more in-depth interviews, a more wider range of guests and so much more. So please keep on supporting me and I will keep on delivering the goods. I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. So until then, look after yourself, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon.